the late show. Let's welcome back Paul Daffy this time in his uh, in his role as author of the book The Totem Poles of Oyen uh, Oyen United Oyen. Uh, the Totem Poles of Oyen United Travels in Country Footy by Paul Daffy. So author author, welcome to the program. All right, Kevin, listeners, it's good to be talking to you and another guy. Yeah. I enjoy doing our country footy chat and um now with the book out it's good to talk about that. I will start by saying uh, in the initial pages, there's a glossary of pronunciation of the towns and the clubs that I mentioned that might prove difficult. Oh. And one of them is Oyen. So you're not the first person to say Oyen, <laughs> but I do say that it's phonetically, it's O-H-Y-E-N, Oyen. And given it's the uh, vanilla slice capital of Australia, I should... I should never stuff up its name because that is, my wor- that is the number one w- favourite thing that I love to eat. Uh, well, uh, the old snob blocks, yes. Oh. And I, uh, I've been in the bakery, had a meeting there a fortnight ago. I, I've yet to have a vanilla slice in there, which sounds oh. ridiculous. But, uh, Wayne, Wayne Campbell, the ex-Richmond captain, he, he grew up in Oyen until he was 12 years of age, and then the family moved to Bendigo. So he was recruited from Golden Square to Richmond uh, before the 1990 season. So, but Wayne's written the foreword for my book. Yep. Um, I asked. I'm, I'm, I know Wayne from Bendigo, though, to be honest. And uh, I said, Wayne, would you write any? He was very happy to write the foreword. But he mentioned, he said, when he was, gr- we always mentioned that he grew up in Oyen, and the people say, oh, yes. Uh, the hottest town on the weather map every night on the news in Victoria, and the home of the Vanilla Slice, or the Vanilla <laughs> Slice capital. So they're, he's right. They're the two things that Victorians will know Oyen for. Uh, the hottest place. On the, on the bureau's weather maps each night, and the vanilla slice claim. And they should know for the for the footy club too, because uh, now what's what the history of it with the merging thing is is quite uh, quite staggering. Well, it is and it isn't, but mostly it is. Um, it isn't because there's mergers all around the state, but the staggering part is the the scale. Yeah. Now I did a I did a talk uh, at the Oyen United Footy Club in 2017. And I was noting the totem pole. There's nine totem poles behind the, the forward pocket at the Calder Highway Inn. Uh, and they're all painted in different colours denoting the, of the, the jumper of, partic- of the nine clubs that, it, that were deemed to have folded into Owen United. Yeah. And I, I was making mention of them, how, how they're, you know, people have driven past them and sent me photos, taken a photo on their phone and sent it to me. Or I've seen some on the Twitter. I mentioned that. I've become a bit of a tourist. Uh, or a photo opportunity, a, a, a tourism drawcard. And a voice from the side of the room pipe, piped up and said, uh, it's not nine clubs, it's something like 43, if you go back before <laughs> the Second World War. Good grief. So this, this, of course, drew my attention. I thought, that's astonishing. I mean, is it even possible? But And this particular guy, his name is Michael Robertson, better known to everyone in the Mallee, everyone in the Mallee knows him, uh, as Boozer Robertson. And he invited me up to take a tour of the old Mallee footy ground of, of all these clubs that have folded into Owen United. And I sat on that for almost 12 months because I was determined not to write a book about country footy. I thought, I've done that and I I really should get on with my life. But um, <laughs> I, I was just drawn to the story. It actually encapsulates... I mean, I've been writing about country footy for, say, 25 years. And a lot of writing, in, in writing about country footy, you write inevitably about mergers or clubs folding because um, country footy clubs need young men to play. The nipple clubs need young women. But there's been this drain 
from the uh, farms to the families and towns. This is not a recent thing. It's been going on since the year 1900. Uh, but it's certainly escalated in recent decades. So that's why clubs fold. They just run out of players, essentially, or merge. And I thought, geez, if I could have a bit of fun doing a tour of the old grounds and write about all these clubs merging into one, that would be a good way to sort of encapsulate the story of country footy as a whole. So that was the beginning of it. I rang Booz and said, mate, can I take you up on your offer to go on the tour? Uh, and he said, certainly you can. So I went up and met him midway through the 2018 season. We did a tour on the Saturday morning, then went to see Owen United play, the Bean it was, at the Underball footy ground um, in the afternoon and had a great day. And in writing about it, the book, the project just became bigger and bigger as so I tried to ascertain whether Boozer's figure of 43 clubs might be a bit too many yeah. or maybe even not enough. I tried to get a, no, a handle on the exact number of clubs. So in, in combing through old newspapers in the State Library, uh, and writing a few notes as I went. I ended up in compiling a look, enough for sort of a potted history of Mallee footy as I went. So I've included that along with my search of how many clubs folded into Owen United and then the tour. My eventual tally was 32, which is not, not shabby at all. Uh, and you could make a claim for another 11, which would give Boozer's claim some veracity. But I, I just decided clubs like Murrayville, Pierre Milan, Mitiac, some of these clubs that Certainly, no one in Melbourne and no one even from outside northwest Victoria might never have heard of. Yeah. You could make a claim that they were part of Owen United, but I just thought they were a bit out of the district and they really belonged to other clubs. The book is called The uh, the Totem Poles of Owen United Travels in Country Footy by Paul Duffy. So, uh, if, whether it's 32 or 43 or whatever the actual, you know, uh, decided upon number is of clubs that are involved in, in, in making this club what it is today, is there a recurring kind of theme or a recurring kind of thing about the club that, that uh, permeates all, all its history? Uh, you're right. The number is insignificant in a way. It's just high, whatever number you arrive at. Um, is there a recurring theme? Yes, but that, that is the recurring theme. I mean, the Mallee is the most isolated part of Victoria. It's the most, it was the last settled region in Victoria. Um, in part because it's, it's the furthest from Melbourne. That's the part for me, Skip's saying, but it's, it's, it's the furthest from Melbourne, but it's also just so dry and it was so tough to settle. Yeah. Um, I mean, Owen as a township did not come in exist, into existence until 1909. And the Owen United Footy Club was formed. Sorry, the Owen Footy Club, the original Owen Footy Club was formed that year. Um, I mean, that's, that's quite late in the scheme of things. It was basically a railway siding on the train line between Ballarat and Mildura originally. And then they built another rail, railway from Owen West to Murrayville and towns popped up, popped up along that railway line. And that was thriving. After the settlement, it was thriving. And there was, especially after World War One, soldiers settler blocks, soldiers settling in the area. The government gave them all a block of land, 640 acres of land, one square mile of land, and so, and there was a lot of farmers employed farmhands. So, say in the first 50 years, certainly up to World War II of, of last century, there was a lot of young men in country districts. And in every district, basically within uh, a few miles, so, so a circumference of a few miles from a particular point, a post office or a pub, there's enough men to form a footy club, and that's what happened. Yeah. But as, yeah. as, as, as men drifted off, and women drifted off to um, the larger towns, uh, those clubs would fold. So, you know, the, 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 fold, the folding of the clubs really started in the 20s, not long after uh, they were formed. So 
in going through all this, the, the, the peak was the late twenties. There was like six competitions within you know, in, in Oyen, the town of Oyen's orbit, and like there were clubs based within a few miles of each other. Um, and then it started to sort of go down in the thirties, and then it sort of really did it sort of settled down between the fifties and the seventies. And then, uh, and that was Mally Footy was at its peak. They were producing some great players. And then from the mid-70s, it really did start to, uh, you know, the numbers did start to decline, the mid-90s again, and we're going through another wave in recent times. So yeah, eventually, what, what, there's just been one club left. What shape is it in now? Well, there's, there's just not many people left. Yeah. And, but the people who are, the people who are left, I mean, as you can imagine, they're resilient. They've got a great spirit, a great sense of humour, sort of this very black humour. Yeah. So you've, got, you've, yeah. got have, you've got to have a sort of black humour to exist. Uh, in, in these places that have been denuded by the drift away. Um, but, the, but one of the things I found was that these totem poles, essentially they should be items of sadness. I mean, they commemorate a population exodus. I remember going, when I lived in Ireland for a short time in the late 90s, there's all these statues and sculptures um, depicting the, the exodus from Ireland after the famine, like the Irish immigrants to America and Australia and New Zealand, etc. And there were always great sadness about them. And I thought, when I saw the totem poles, I thought, these should be, these should depict an aspect of sadness. And they do, because they depict the fact that there's not enough men left in these districts to form footy clubs anymore. Yeah. So footy aside, it's just, it's just about the closures of towns or the, or, or the closures of districts. As farmers buy each other out, farms become bigger, there's more work opportunities in the towns, etc. So there should be items of sadness. But they weren't. They're actually items of fun. So how did this come to be? Number one, I reckon they were, they were painted by a school kid, uh, a school teacher at Oyen High School, as it was at the time, called Nerida Morris. Um, she got a year nines and tens to paint the totem poles for a school project. So there's an optimism about it, in part because I reckon they were painted by 14 and 15-year-olds. And most 14 and 15-year-olds are optimistic. And they gained a lot out of it because they're painting the the Tempe Footy Club and the Goya Footy Club and Hatchawarrick. So I started asking their fathers and grandfathers and mothers and grandmothers about these old footy clubs. So it was a great history exercise for those kids. But because kids were painting it, I reckon there's an aspect of optimism. But it's just also, with each merger, there's all mergers, there's always a battle before a merger occurs between the two, the two clubs that are going to merge, in some cases three clubs, you know, fighting for you know, what what part of them can carry on into the merger, and once that's settled, all mergers begin with a, with an air of optimism. And so, many people they they folded into all those clubs folded into Owen United, but it ended up being a club of optimism. And so, I, I, I mean, they won their first year in the Sunraiser League. Uh, they won the Premiership, and they were played in three grand finals in their first three years. This year, they didn't make a four, but they were very close. So there's resilience, and you couldn't exist in a place like the Mallee with its very infrequent rain if you weren't, you know, a, a person of a certain optimism. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's, there's a great spirit despite the story of the exodus from the land, which is why I sort of just totem poles fascinated me a bit, because they weren't, they weren't items of sadness. They actually had a certain sunniness about them. By the and, so, uh, and a uniqueness in uh, a, a, a total uniqueness in the in the presentation of a footy club. I would have thought. Well, that's true. that's true. I mean, you would have said that about the, the art on the silos between Rapanyup and Hatchewarrick. Yep, that, that was a silo art trail. I mean, that's 
that still has a lot of currency, especially when I've gone to Patchewalik a few times. The pub there is fantastic. And there's a certain currency because that was the first silo art trail. But there's art on every silo. Well, not every silo, of course, but a lot of silos in Victoria and South Australia. I was in South Australia in July. Renmark and Wakery, there's huge um, profiles or portraits on the sides of the silos there. But, but um, so it's not that art silo art is not unique now. But it sort of has a certain specialness on the first one. But the, the totem poles are unique. I've never seen them a footy club depicted in that way, and that that, that adds a certain. Uh, currency to the exercise as well. I think. No, good on you for telling the story. It's a it's a terrific story to tell, and one that obviously uh, you got uh, hooked you in and got you uh, captured you, which is is no mean feat in itself. Uh, well, I do get interested in things, and I. They do tend to be deep dives from there on. So this is one of those examples, I suppose. No, beautiful. Well done. Uh, what's this? Your fourth or fifth book, Paul? Uh, this is the fourth one I've written. Yep. I've contributed. I've contributed oh, yeah. to others. Ed- edited several editions of the Footy Almanac with John Harms and yep. Footy Town, but uh, it's the fourth one I've written on my own. Well, in celebration uh, of, uh, of this book, and people can get it by, uh, I guess, is the easiest way to shoot you an email at uh, Paul Duffy? Look, it's in shops, but it's only in selected shops yep. this day. The number of shops is growing. <laughs> but the easiest way, the certain way, is to email me at pauldaffy27. So that's P-A-U-L-D-A-F-F-E-Y. Two seven at gmail dot com. Paul Daffy P A U L D A double F Fred E Y two seven at gmail dot com. Beautiful. Do that and get a copy of the book. And in celebration, uh, get into the bakery there and have a bloody vanilla slice, will you? Because <laughs> there's things in life you just have to do, and that's one of the things you have to do, Paul. Well, I was in a chuker on. I went to Dunedin. We have our annual boys' weekend in Dunedin. I bought one in a chuker on the way home and enjoyed it. But yeah, right. I'm, I'm going up to Patchy Wallet next week, and I'll have to pop up to Odeon and get buy a vanilla slice, and I'll report back here. It's a bit like the South Melbourne market dim sims. There's things you just have to <laughs> eat. <laughs> it's like going to Boston. You've got to eat clam exactly. chowder. Exactly. Yes. Well, it's sort of like that. Yeah. No. No. There's there's some pilgrimages you have to do in this life. Uh, your stomach, right. your stomach, and your taste buds will thank you for it. Well done on the book, mate. Congratulations. As you mentioned, people can uh, shoot you an email, pauldaffy27 at gmail dot com, and uh, and get themselves a copy of the book. Thanks for spending a bit of time with us, mate. Appreciate it. Thirty bucks. I forgot to mention. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Paul Daffy joining us here on the Late Show.